What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Vanda Topperdis, aka Vanda the Panda, aka Vanda Top of her class, as she coined herself during a grade school election campaign. You'll find out more about that in this episode. For now, though, I'd love to inspire you a bit more through Vanda's story. She is someone who clearly showcases that any of us can change our lives around if we truly want to. Having struggled with her weight in her 20s, at one point getting up to over 325 pounds, Vanda completely transformed her life around by changing her routine and daily habits. This wasn't easy though. Vanda's spark unfortunately came from the loss of someone near and dear to her, her beloved father. Throughout all of her obstacles and her life journey, Vanda has been able to maintain her authentic self, something of which I truly admire. Ultimately, she is not afraid to put herself out there, and she continues to motivate and inspire other humans to do the same for themselves. I hope you come out of this episode being willing to step out of your comfort zone and lean into the person that you are meant to become. Let's see how well I chat in Panda language and give it up for Vanda Topperdis. What is up, fam? CJ Finley here with another Thrive on Life podcast episode. It is Thrive Thursday, and I am super excited for this conversation I am about to have because sitting across from me today is someone that has been a huge inspiration to both my wife, Erin, and myself over the past couple of months during all these High Rocks competitions. Vanda, I'm not even like, I tried to say your, <laughs> your last name, um, but I don't want to butcher it on here. And I'd love, we were talking about it right before this podcast, I'd love for you to just say it. And then what you said to me about <laughs> when were you a class treasurer or something? Yeah, I was the class treasurer. Okay. So last name, Topperdis. And so, yeah, I think it was elementary school. I was running for treasurer and I was like, I got to come up with some like really catchy slogan. And so it was vote for Vanda Topperdis. She's top of the list. And that from then on, all the kids in school are like, oh, I know how to pronounce Vanda's last name now. And I'm like, yes, so good. So I'm assuming you won. I did. Like, you I won did. that election? I did win that election. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, before we get into anything, why did you pick the class treasurer over anything else? Uh, ooh, honestly, I just wanted to work with money. I felt like, and then I felt like the fact that I was Asian, people trusted me more <laughs> and that I was good at math. I like really leaned into the Asian stereotype of like me being good at math and being good with money. So I was like, ooh, I feel like when people see me next to Kelly Joe over here, I should, they're going to pick me instead. <laughs> so, you know, the next question I'm going to have is like, are you good with math and are you good with money? Ooh, uh, I, good, good with <laughs> math. Uh, good. Uh, I mean, I think last time I took a math class was at UT and doing calculus for my uh, business degree. But am I good with money? I think my boyfriend will tell you no, because I like to spend a lot of money. And I mean, hey, things. does that if some some may look as like if you like to spend money, but you still make the money. That's true. Well, that's the thing. You could like, be good with money. I'm, still. I'm not I'm not spending money. I don't have that's that's for sure, though. Hell yeah. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast here today. And like I mentioned before. You have been a huge inspiration uh, with all the training that you've been doing and just the transformation that 
you've gone, I've seen you go through, um, and then I think we all have gone through on High Rocks. And for those listening here today, one of the things I like to do on the podcast is bring in people that I haven't, unfortunately, not had the time to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with. So like we've talked a little bit, but I would love to just use this time to learn a little bit more about you and your story because I do know some of it and I know it can be a huge inspiration to others. Um, but I always like to kick it off with like some fun or, or something quirky. And where did Vanda and Panda come from like Vanda in your and Panda. life? <laughs> where did that come from? So actually 10 years ago, I um, went to ACL and it was the idea that I absolutely loved going to these festivals. I was maybe, was it three years in living Austin? And this particular ACL 2011, Stevie Wonder was headlining. And I am a massive Stevie Wonder fan. Like, I love Motown music, Stevie Wonder, like Temptations, that's my jams. And so when I saw he was headlining, I was like, I got to get there. But not only do I have to go to the festival and be in the front for this for this show, I have to do something extra. And I was just <laughs> like, and it was just this thing. People obviously over the years were like, yeah, Vanda, like a panda. And I never really leaned into it. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to wear a panda suit. I'm going to wear a panda suit to the Stevie Wonder show, even though he can't see me, he's going to feel my panda energy. <laughs> and I was just so convinced. I was like, yes, this is like, this is golden. This is when ACL was back in September. So, so hot. Can you imagine just being at an ACL? Like they do it in October now, September, so hot. But I was like so committed to this. And so I got, bought a panda suit online. I managed to like hide a bunch of snacks and food because I knew if I were to like stake out in front of the Stevie Wonder stage, like I'd have to be there the entire day. So I went at 10 a.m. to ACL, uh, ran, got to the front, had like snuck in like fruit snacks and peanut butter sandwiches in my panda suit, and then just kind of sat there and waited for him to come on stage. And then he did, and it was so funny. Throughout the throughout the day, everybody was like, "Oh, this this lady's gonna like pass out. This panda woman's gonna pass out. <laughs> like it's like a hundred ten degrees, and here she is in a panda suit." And like people all day were like, "What's this about? Like, why are you wearing this? Like, what's what's?" And so, yeah, it just I just told them, I'm like, I just thought this is a really special moment. Me seeing Stevie Wonder for the first time, and I wanted to like make it special and being in a panda suit. And so, eventually, he came. Came on, it was absolutely amazing. Like it was like best show ever. And then finishes, everybody is like kind of obviously there's like 70,000 people behind me, so I have to wait till they all leave before I even start moving out. And then one of his backup singers comes down, gives me a set list, and they're like, We've been hearing about you all day and what a committed fan and what a big fan you are. Stevie wanted to make sure you got this set list. That is amazing. And from then on, I was just like okay, maybe I'm just going to keep wearing this panda suit, <laughs> seeing what's going to happen, like what I can do with this, like uh, being in this in Austin, keeping Austin weird. It was so welcome. And so for like 10 years now, I've been wearing this panda suit and I've been able to make it into this really fun persona, uh, which, which is really interesting because I, I say it's a persona, but yet it's, it, that's just me. It's like I'm the same person in and out of the panda suit, but... It's like afforded me all these amazing experiences that I never would have gotten. Like I got flown up to London to be in a music video. I competed in the national championship of air guitar when I lived in Denmark as Vanda the Panda. Wait, what? Yeah. National championship. <laughs> championship of air guitar, of Luftguitar. And so I used to live in Denmark and I just happened, I was at this big music festival in Denmark called Roskilde. 
like, yeah, 100,000 people, big outdoor 10-day camping festival. I just did the air guitar on a whim, and then I get a call like a month later being like, you qualified for the national championship. <laughs> and so here I am, like, I was like, what? And so I ended up, I was living in Vienna at the time, but then I flew back to Denmark to go and compete in the national championship of what is that air even? Guitar. So this, this conversation, this, <laughs> I'm so happy I started with that question. Um, first off, do you still have the original panda suit? I do. I still have the original panda suit. I still have the original panda hat. It was given to me uh, on my 21st birthday by a very dear Australian friend of mine. And I still have that OG panda hat. I probably now... I have probably around eight panda suits and probably like 15 panda hats. And uh, at a point, I was actually working at a startup that uh, found out about my panda life. I tried to keep it really <laughs> secret. I was like, oh, I don't know how well like the corporate like kind of business world would take it. It was my first real job out of college. So I was like, all right, let's keep the panda thing down low. And then they ended up loving it. And I ended up becoming the mascot of this company <laughs> uh, as a panda. And they like redesigned all the apps to integrate pandas into it. And all of a sudden, my job had turned into like I was doing customer support, but now all of a sudden I was also making panda videos and like interacting with our users, flying me to Vegas to do like panda videos. And you're just like, why? What's happening? Hey. So yeah, it's it was great. It's you never know what could happen in this life. So I think I, I do have a, a serious question. Yeah. Um, but before that, like I never... I can't even fathom like national air guitar. Yeah. Like what does that even look like? It uh, looks, it's basically you're, you, I am not musically talented in any sort of way, but it's basically like you're playing a show to 500 people and uh, the way, and it's like a big, it's like a big kind of competition, like air guitar. It's big in the US as well. And so how a competition is structured is uh, you do one minute of a song, like a song of your choosing. Uh, and then you get uh, scored by, I think, three judges on a scale of like one to six. And it's like, kind of like, you have to do like accuracy, uh, like, with the air guitar, you're like, oh, you, don't, you shouldn't have to be accurate. But then obviously, like, uh, showmanship. And then I forget, there was another, there's another category. But so then that happens. So you get the scores for your first round. And then the second round, everybody does one minute of the same song that you don't know yet until they tell you, like, right before. So, like, let me get this straight. So, like, <laughs> do you have to, like, watch a YouTube video of, like, the person, like, on the guitar and you have to, like, mimic what they're uh, yeah. doing? Or, like, are, you, are people doing, like, backflips while they're yeah, air guitar? They are, they are doing, like, they are doing backflips. You're just, you're just being an entertainer. That's basically what you are. And, yeah, and so I did it in my panda suit. And actually, uh, there's also, like, so there's the national championships and then there's worlds every year in Finland which is, like, crazy. So there's the world championship of air guitar. but And I, I thought it was crazy us doing, like, U.S. championships of high rocks. And, and I'm over here now, like, not only did you do that, but you're doing air guitar world championships. Yeah, that, yeah that, was a, that was another life, though, panda life. But it's, like, like I was saying, I was just, like, honestly, like, I think about it now, and I'm, like, my life would be so insanely different if I never became the end of the panda. I love that, and... The, the serious questions that I had yeah. was just like, you mentioned how you're the same inside the suit and then outside the suit. And for those that don't know who Vanda is, like you're just super authentic to yourself. And I find that, especially in today's day and age with social media and everything, it's super hard for people to actually do that. Were you always like that? Was that always in you? Or did you like have to learn how to come out of your shell as well? 
Ah, oh, it's it's so interesting. Like I think definitely I I've always been a bit of like an extrovert and kind of being that person to like be talkative and like be able to go up to people. But I think it definitely it I had to work on it. It wasn't like this thing that I'm like I was always like this. I was always like this fun bubble like I think it you do come into it with like a lot of securities like especially like when I came to school here at UT I was just I just felt like such a little fish in a massive ocean kind of thing and you're just like how do I make my way kind of thing and you're I was it was it took a while it took a while for me to like really kind of gain that and honestly the panda suit helped me it was great it was great I felt like oh, like no one was really, it's so weird because I, I think people would think, oh, do, don't you feel judged when you're in the panda zoo? I didn't feel judged. Like I felt like I can be this fun panda person and I can just be myself and just do these things because it's like I'm that panda girl kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of gives you a persona where you have like the ability to be who you truly are. Yeah. But then you started realizing like you were just truly that person exactly. outside the suit. And exactly, yeah. It's such an ironic thing because I think, again, going in, in today's day and age, people do like stunts and videos and stuff like that just to get attention versus for you, it was like authentically like you're wearing this thing because you really love Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And then it, it, it's definitely a story of if you're authentic to yourself, like good things start happening. Run us a little bit through like, you mentioned a small fish in a in a big pond. Were you in a smaller pond prior to UT? What did that life look like? Um, yeah, so I grew up uh, just outside of Houston in the kind of suburbs of Katy, Texas. And I was first-generation American. Both my parents came over from Thailand. Uh, they actually met in Houston. And yeah, they just worked so hard. And it was that idea of like, we want to give our kids a good education. Let's move out to this like kind of up and coming kind of suburb area of Houston. But it was really difficult being like, we were probably one of the first Asian families in that area. And looking back, like I was like, oh my God, I, I experienced so much racism. Like you don't really think about it like at the time, but then you're like, oh, like, I remember people like throwing eggs at our houses and stuff like that. And so you kind of, you, and then it's, uh, it's very much like it was that kind of area was also really built around like all the churches that were there. And I grew up Thai Buddhist. And so it was, it was a really weird thing. Cause here we are like in this kind of little small, like really nice, like suburban area, but yet I felt so out of place sometimes. Cause you're just, you're just like, okay, not only am I not white, I'm also not Christian. And like, I'd get asked questions all the time being like, oh, like, but why don't you go to the church? And I'm like, well, I just find me being a Thai person. It's more of my culture. Like I feel more connected to my Thai heritage going to a temple and learning about Buddhism. And yeah, it was crazy kind of coming from that and then being Austin. And obviously it's great because like there's just all of a sudden there's just like so many people from all over with different backgrounds and it was great but it was yeah still feeling that I felt like in that scenario I was just stood out like I was that rainbow fish in like that like children's book that you're like oh like what's this like this weird fish that's like kind of hanging around our like fishbowl so yeah it was it's a really interesting kind of coming from that to then like, being here in Austin yeah it's definitely something that Personally, I can't attest to because I'm white bread as they <laughs> as they come. But it, it another reason that I love this podcast. I get to 
learn about like what it was like for other people and what it is like for other people. And I used to, I used to actually live in Houston and I can't attest to what it was like decades ago. Cause it is, it has grown massively and it's like, it, honestly, in my eyes was like a huge melting pot when I was there compared to yeah. Austin a little bit. Um, it's funny cause Aaron and I, when we talk about like raising kids, one of my problems I have here is like the suburbs of Austin are kind of like the sub is like Katie. Yeah. And I don't want to raise my kids in an area like that. Like I want them to understand the world and figuring out like how to go to Thailand and get them involved in different, like learning about different religions. Cause I'm not, I'm not religious and, but just being accepting of like everybody's religion and things like that. So when you were going through all that, do you think that, that played a role in you being extroverted and being able to kind of like, when you're alone, I feel like there's two choices. You either like go down the rabbit hole of being super alone or like you kind of have to learn to adapt. Do you think those struggles of kind of feeling like the rainbow fish actually led to one of your strengths today of being extroverted? Yeah, 100%. Like you're so spot on. It, it was definitely, it, you're right. You could either have that choice of like, oh, being alone and being like, okay, this is really upsetting. Or here I was, I was like, okay, well, what are these other people doing? Like, what can, what can I get involved in to where I can feel connected with these people? And so I grew up playing club soccer and that was like kind of my big thing was like, oh yeah, like, all right, sure. I'm on this team full of white girls, but at least we're all like hanging out. And for me, I was very much on the club, on the team, like very much the outspoken one, like always trying to be like very fun and all that. And so that, that definitely, that idea of like being different, but then kind of embracing that difference and instead of shying away from it, just be like, kind of like, Hey, like I'm here too. And like, this is what I can bring to the table. I love that. And I played soccer my entire life. And one of the things I did love is the ability to connect. It's just like, I think that's why they call it the world's game. Like it can just connect so many people but I have to ask you you mentioned your hatred of running yeah because <laughs> uh, during high rocks like you mentioned this but you played soccer yeah like, it was uh, when did how does that combine it was yeah I just always hated running and but then it was that idea like playing soccer like to be fair I was not in the I was I played center back so it okay. wasn't like I was doing so much running and we, I was always on a, like a really strong club team that we really kind of kept it up at the top on the other team's half for like most so of the So you're the enforcer in the back. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like <laughs> I was the one like getting yellow cards and like doing all that stuff and doing those like kind of like last ditch slide tackles. But yeah, I know I just absolutely like running has just never been a thing for me. Like I just absolutely, and it's so funny because my dad was, the biggest runner and so yeah it was it was it was interesting growing up and being like yeah I love playing soccer but I hate running <laughs> it's I mean the reason I asked you that question really was because I connect so so much with that and I was actually a midfielder yeah um and I played all the way up through college and when people say people would ask me to be on a track team and do all that, and they're like you already run a lot like why don't you just join this and I was like I hate running yeah and they'd be like but how? Like you play soccer, or you run the most, and it's like, well, there's actual purpose to the running. Like, yeah. And I think I did get more of a break because when the ball's not on your side of the field, like you, you are strategic with your running, and yeah. like when you have an opportunity, you run. Versus like in High Rocks, where we're running like just nonstop. Yeah. But I'd love for you to talk a little bit more of the story of your dad because recently, obviously, you were on the news, which is super cool. Our buddy Jose got your story out there, and then even before that, we really connect 
with you on that story because like Thrive started because of somebody unfortunately passing away. But what did your dad like? How did his life impact where you're at today with with health and wellness? And just feel free to tell as little or as much as you want yeah. to about him and his story, and then how that has kind of parlayed into your own life. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So my dad, he like I said earlier, he's uh, grew up in Thailand. Basically, came to the U.S to get his master's in engineering and then, uh, yeah, was working as an architectural engineer in Houston and honestly was just like, he was the most disciplined man I've ever met in my entire life. Like it was crazy. He was, you would think like if you met me and I'm very much more in like the personality wise as my mom, my dad was just the stoic, silent kind of disciplined guy like he would run he he would love to run like 12 miles a day like he was just that type like he would wake up early 4 a.m go into work finish work early so he could run like around memorial park in houston and yeah he was just an absolute killer and then it was when i started kind of getting into sports I was like, oh, I really want to play the same sports as my dad did. And my dad played a lot of soccer in Thailand. And so it was just really great. Like he really got me into it. And then it was just our thing. Like we would, as much as I hated to run during the summers, my dad would come home from work. We would, we'd have this routine where we'd go to the high school track. We'd run three miles. I say run, I'm like <laughs> jogging this three miles. But we did this three miles, but then we would go then train an hour, hour and a half uh, of soccer, like heading, PKs, all this stuff. And then after that, we'd then finish off with like two hours of tennis because then I got started getting into tennis and golf. Just everything that he did because it was, I don't know, it was just like a really special thing. Like, because otherwise, my dad was very much like very focused on his work, on his running. And so I was like thinking like, how can I connect with my dad? And like, that was just the way. And I was so fortunate to have that time with him. And it was great. It was, I'm, I have two older brothers. So I'm like, not only am I the youngest, I'm the little girl. And so I think it was really special for my dad to see me kind of be able to do this. And he was very much of the fact, like, if you're going to compete, you're going to be at your best form. I'm not going to have you go out there on the pitch and be like walking around or not <laughs> like and so he very much he really instilled that in me kind of like when I played soccer and like playing smart like he there's so many times when I would just hear his voice in my head being like be smart about it like don't make these decisions or like going for these unnecessary tackles if you don't need to and so kind of growing up with that my whole life and then uh it was right when I was like 18 I was playing up a, a game up in Oklahoma and I ended up tearing my ACL my right ACL my MCL and my meniscus and he unfortunately wasn't there but flying back and then being told like, yeah, you, you're going to want surgery on this. And I was just absolutely devastated. I was like, I can't believe I like kind of like, it was probably one of my last club games and having to be like, all right, we're going to get the surgery. And so I ended up getting a uh, full reconstruction surgery on my knee. And then at that point, it was just all of a sudden I was not active. I was not motivated. I was in so much pain. I just didn't rehab properly. It was just a culmination of just things that all of a sudden here I was like going to school, going in, into my freshman year at UT. And then instead of that freshman 15, it turned into like a freshman 30. 
And all of a sudden, I just got into the like just terrible habits. It's interesting because I'm then not living at home, not kind of being under that guise of being there with like my dad there and like really motivating me. And here I was just like having a good old time being at college, like eating chicken wings at 3 a.m. at Pluckers <laughs> and all this stuff. And you're just, I don't know, it was, uh, I just remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, oh my gosh, like what has happened to me kind of thing. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Vanda. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Vanda Topperdis. It got to that point where I think I like was hitting like 200 pounds and I just was like, what? how did I let this happen? But then instead of like really working on it, I decided to avoid everybody, like avoid my family. Cause I knew if my dad saw me, he would be so disappointed and that would absolutely kill me. Like it was like, it was such a shame because there was maybe three years that I really avoided going home to see my parents. Cause I just, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's going to turn into an argument. Like, every time they would see me, my dad would never say this. And then my dad would never be like, oh, you need to lose weight, or like, you need to get healthy. I think it was really hard, but it was so hard for him to see that. And then he would tell my mom. And then I just would remember being in the kitchen with my mom at like 11 o'clock at night, and we just having this like argument where I'm just in tears, she's in tears. And obviously they're coming from a place of like, we just are concerned about your health, all this stuff. And then in my mind, I've then now clouded that. Like I've pushed health and fitness away and I'm like, oh, you should just love me for the way I look. Like why do you just don't love me because I'm not pretty anymore? And you just, you get into like, and it's so easy to to then use that as an excuse kind of thing. Like I, I don't get me wrong. Like I love the body positivity movement. I think it's great, but there's something, there's a difference between body positivity and being healthy like it's just like I I love that people are like embrace your curves all this stuff but I was at such an unhealthy weight like I was considered super morbidly obese when I was 24 years old 25 years old and to then be like oh well like there's all these like super amazing like there's like plus size models and all this stuff and you're like everybody should just love their body but it's just like I was unhealthy and none of my friends said anything and it was just my family like obviously my friends don't want to hurt my feelings they don't want to say this but it was my family that was like 
we're so concerned for you. Like, and I just kept like, it was just an argument. And so just avoided going home. I avoided seeing my parents. And then I just remember being uh, at the office one day and I get a text. All right. My mom tries to call me, misses it, get a text being like, pretty sure your dad has cancer. And then I just remember breaking down and just absolutely crying in that moment and like calling her and be like, what do you mean? And then like, what's like happening? And like, my dad was never the type to go to the doctor. Like he, stubborn old Asian man. I think he was, was like 69 at the time and was just like, I'm not going to the doc. Like, I don't need to go to the doctor. And like, it was just this thing where he just never went. And then they, he finally was feeling so bad that they went and did a CAT scan and was like, you have stage four colon cancer, man. Like you, we're giving you like six months to live. Like, this is your diagnosis. I mean, we're going to obviously go through chemo, go see what surgery options there are, but we, there's, it's not looking good for you. And I just remember going home that weekend and then like sitting there with my dad and him just being like totally chill about it. You like look at him and he'd be like, well, if I die, I die then that kind of thing. And I'm just here like bawling my eyes out. And then in that moment of me and my dad and him being like, oh yeah, like super like chill about dying. He was like, oh, but like, how are you doing? And I'm just like, oh my God, like. Here is my amazing father who is dying of cancer and he's still asking me how I'm doing. And like, it was that moment that I was just like, I need to change my life. I need for my dad to see me healthy before he passes away. Like for him to have to worry about me where I should be worrying about him and taking care of him. Just all of a sudden there was that switch that came on and I was just so determined because like, yeah, at the time they were like, give him six months. And I'm like, I need my dad to know that I'm serious about my health, I'm serious about, I'm going to get serious about my fitness. And I want him to be able to see visibly a change in me so he can feel good about passing away and knowing that I can be here and take care of my mom. And so, yeah, like I said before, like nothing motivated me in the past. Like I was at UT, amazing gym, amazing facilities, zero motivation. Like I just was like, yeah, like being so cavalier, carefree, drinking, eating. And then all of a sudden you get this, this news and you're just like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden this motivation for my dad to get this like kind of last chance at seeing his baby girl healthy was just like a huge motivating factor. And like I said, I tell people this all the time, like it's super bittersweet because obviously him getting that diagnosis, but if he hadn't, like, I would have never changed my life. Like, I, what, 24, 25 at the time was totally, like, I thought I was too far gone. I was like, there's no way someone like me, like, I'm 5'2", 325 pounds, am I ever going to come back from this? Like, I feel like people feel like they reach that point where it's like, and so I was like, never am I going to be able to shop in like regular stores. I'm going to buy all my clothes online. Every time I travel, I'm going to have to wear a seatbelt extension or I'm going to have to like buy another seat because then the person next to me is going to be upset that I'm so big. Like it was just, I was probably, I was like, oh, I'm probably going to have hypertension, diabetes. I'm going to, I already had severe sleep apnea. So I was sleeping with a CPAP machine. All of these things, I thought that's what the rest of my life is going to look like. And to get that news and then to just be able to be like, okay, you know know what? I need to do this for my dad. I need to do this. Like, I know a lot of times people are like, oh, you got to do things for yourself. But like in that moment and in that time of my life when I was just so focused, I was like, this is all for my dad. (laughs) 
Wow. That's a lot to take in. I, I just seriously thank you for, for running through that yeah. and, and sharing all that because I know it's not always easy because it brings up the past and the past is, is hard sometimes. But a couple of things that kind of piqued my interest when you were going through that story was the body positivity. Yeah. It's something that we have in today's world where like humans have this problem with only seeing short term. And the thing about body positivity is everyone's like so pro body positivity until that person has diabetes or a heart attack or whatever, yeah. right? If your family member if is is obese and you want to support them and be like, yeah, like you look great and whatever, but then they get diagnosed with something that is going to cause them to die, immediately you shift into well, okay, we got to you got to lose weight yeah. so that we can so that we can help you get healthier. Yeah. Well, that's the reality of it is just like if you're obese, like you're going to have more comorbidities. Yeah. Um, so there has to be this fine line of like accepting people for who they are. And health also, I think for me, when I want to phrase it, is just like health comes in many different shapes and sizes. Oh, yeah. Like your blood work tells you kind of like where your health is at. So if you're getting your blood work and it's clearly showing that you're obese and that you're at risk of X, Y, Z, you're not healthy. No. And like, that's just, it doesn't matter. Like I can still love you. Like yeah. the, the world can still love you on the outside, but you're just not healthy. Yeah. So do you think because you were younger, that kind of played into, you just didn't have enough life experience to understand like where your parents were coming from? Uh, 100%. Yeah. It's just, you're young, you see all this stuff in media and pop culture and you're like, and then obviously like, I'm here in Austin, like everywhere, just having a good time. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's great. And then, yeah, it's just like you I go back to my parents and you just get that reality check. But I didn't want to hear it. Like it would be a thing when I would try to kid myself that I wasn't kind of like unhealthy. Like I used to when anytime I'd get go into a restaurant or a shop, I'd like scan it and find someone else that was bigger than me and tell myself, at least I'm not as big as that person. And that's that way I kept pushing that like, oh, I'm still fine. Like I'm not as I'm like not as big as that person. Like I'm totally fine. Ah, that's self deferent Like yeah. There's so many ways that this show and beyond like weight yeah. this shows up in so many people's lives, whether it's drinking how many coffees you drink. Yeah. Whether it's if you're a smoker. Yeah. Whether if it's like even working out, because that could be used as like in some people's lives, it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's just like because they they swing to the other way and it's just like they're comparing themselves to these other people. So I love I love that you said that. And then in terms of the whole parent, the, the thing that as we age, like what I've noticed is the people that love you the most will say the harshest things to you. Yeah. Like the media does not have the best interest <laughs> no. for you. Like, no, yeah. and most of your friends don't have the best interest for you. Like yeah. they have the best interest for themselves. Like yeah. that's just how the world works. Yeah. But those closest to you will, are supposed to cut through you. Um, but as humans, we have egos and then our ego is just like, why are the people that are closest to me saying the worst things to me? Yeah. So it's being able to, to read through that as we get older. And then the second thing that I want to go into with it is, were you still as extroverted as you were, as you were putting on weight and getting quote unquote unhealthier as you were going through UT and then outside? Or did that play a role into like, who you were. Yeah. It's so funny because probably like my big band of the panda moments were when I was pretty big. I was like probably over 200 pounds. And it's such a shame because I, I love being band of the panda, but then I 
do like look back on that in that moment of like, man, I really wore that panda suit a lot and I used it as the security comfort blanket. And it's this instant, like hopefully people, the first thing they don't see, like look at me and they see, oh, that's a fat girl. Oh no, that's just, that's the panda girl. And that's kind of where I kind of like really leaned into. I was still just as extroverted. I was like just super outgoing, always like down to go, like road trips, all this stuff. And part of me was like, it was great, but then it was exhausting to have to continually kind of be this, like trying to kind of like continue keeping up like with everybody's like, oh, like let's do this. And I never wanted to say no to anything. I, can I just tell you, I was such a people pleaser back in the day, like when I was younger, like we were talking about this earlier, like just like your younger selves, like doing things like like you're now looking back and being like, oh my gosh, like I would just let people take advantage of me. And I, I drew my self-worth because I felt like, okay, I'm this big girl, like no one, no one likes, or like, I need people to like me. So how am I, how am I going to do that? I'm going to do these favors. I'm going to take them to the airport at 5am. I'm going to take them, drive them to Ikea and like pick up, like I had a big car. So it was like this thing where it's like, oh, you're the friend with the big car. You can like help me get this like Ikea bed and all of this stuff. And I would drop anything I was doing to help somebody. And then I just remember it just being like, And then people knew that they could take advantage of me. And that was like such a shame because I thought these people were my friends. Like I thought. And then on the other end of that is like you're having discontent towards your family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're having discontent. Like here's my family who are really caring about me and really wanting, wanting to help me. And then I've got these quote unquote friends that are just like, oh, like, yeah, take us down to Sixth Street, Vanda. Like, we'll go to Shakespeare's and get $5 liquor pitchers and things like that, which was great and stuff like that. But it was like you were saying earlier, just like they're looking out for themselves. And I just remember being at UT, I ran a student organization for international exchange students. So it was like huge parties. We'd have like all these exchange students come. And I, it was a thing where I would pick them all up from the airport. I remember one, one year I made, I drove to the Austin airport 40 times to pick up exchange students and like make sure that they were settled in all this stuff. Like I wasn't getting paid for this. Like it was literally just the student organization I was running. And then uh, one of the girls that was actually a French girl, she was a journalism student. She was like, oh, I'd love to write like an article about you, like a feature piece for like one of her classes. Like, yeah, let's do it. I thought it was just going to be this like fun thing, like article about me being Vanda the Panda. But man, did she cut deep. When she was interviewing me, it was like, great. And then she went and interviewed like my roommate and other people. And they were like, yeah, people know that they can take advantage of Vanda and like fully take advantage of her and stuff like that. And seeing that like written in print being like, oh yeah, like people will tell other people like, yeah, just ask Vanda, she'll do it. And people would take advantage of that. And I was just like, oh my God. And you're like kind of reading this and you're just like, oh, like you're expecting like this like really fun like piece. And then all of a sudden it gets into this like really and when it made me really think, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, I do let people take advantage of me. Like, why am I why am I deriving my self-worth from this? It's an interesting thing because because you didn't necessarily love yourself to the fullest at that point. Like yeah. it's hard to to say no because you don't really know what you even want or what's even yeah. for you and I'd love to ask you so your dad obviously was was sick what did your routine look like prior yeah. and then as soon as that kind of unfortunate event happened 
what did it look like afterwards? What what did it practically look like? Because yeah. this hits really close to home with my wife and I because her dad passed away of a heart attack and then my dad's sister passed away at 40 of colon cancer. Um, and she left two kids, my cousins. I think I was 10. One of them was 12, I think, and the other was nine. So I remember, yeah. like, and then I remember being able to think like, wow, what if my mom wasn't here anymore? Yeah. And I kind of put it behind me. And then when I got 20, when I became 25 and, and started having stomach issues and like things that started affecting my life, I started asking questions in my family, like what happened? And it really hit me like, wow, I got to change now because my issue was drinking and partying and doing things that every 25, every, any mid twenties is doing, but it affected me worse. And I had to come to terms with like the guilt of like what's wrong with my body and like stuff like that. And really being like, damn, I need to change. I need to be disciplined to change. And that's what sparked it in me. Same thing with Aaron, with her, her dad. And really, that's why we're really into the heart rate stuff and, and tracking our health. Because if I'm going to go, like I'm going to go the healthiest I could be on, on the inside and outside. And if a random thing happens, whatever. But that drastically changed my routine yeah. within a year. Yeah. So for you and for anybody else out there that's either struggling with weight, whether you're trying to gain weight, lose weight, whether you're trying to get in the gym or not get in the gym, you're trying to give up alcohol, weed, or anything else, what did your routine change look like? Yeah. Um, so beforehand, I was very much like, let's do all the takeout food. I was a fiend for like, I remember there used to be a Chinese place just on Guadalupe and I would order probably enough Chinese food for five people. Like, and I would just like sit in bed, just eating it. And it was this thing where I just constantly ate out. Like it was very rare that I would cook. And if I did cook, it would be something super unhealthy, like something fried, all of this stuff. Uh, Activity wise, wasn't really super active or like I'd love to go out and I'd like kid myself being like yeah I'm like going out with friends that's an act that's not working out though like it's like a so that was probably my that was my routine before kind of like getting the news about my dad and then I just remember getting the news about my dad and I was like okay what's what I I need to do research like clearly me doing it myself like going into a gym is like not 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 going to get me the results I want to get. And so I did like a really intense search, uh, like Google, Yelp for like trainers that, and it's like that idea of like going into the gym and like going and meeting a trainer is like super intimidating. And it also at the same time, you're like, are they just trying to sell me on this? Like whatever. But after like lots of research, I found this amazing uh, woman here in Austin. Her name is Joanne Blackerby. And she really believed in, fitness being a prescription for health. So she would actively work with people's doctors to like get it prescribed versus prescribing medication. And she, awesome. yeah. And she also worked with like senior citizens. She was all about like fitness for everybody. So I was like, okay, this is not like an intimidating kind of place to go to. She had like, she was running her own gym, gym up in North Austin. And I was like, you know what? Let's just like reach out to her, let her know the deal and see what she can do for me. And I just remember going into the, she used to have a gym called Spirit Fitness, going into Spirit Fitness like the first day. And like her taking all my measurements and things like that. And like she she putting me through a workout. And in my head, I still even remember to this day, like I was like, God, this is so hard. I'm never going to come back. Like I'm never coming back here again. Like I just kind of, 
or it was like as I was doing it. And then <laughs> later on, later on, I was like, you know what? I bought this like Yelp coupon or something. So I was like, oh, I got to go back. Yeah. And then it just became this routine for me. And I told her I had like really lofty goals and like I want my dad to like visibly see a change in me before like kind of like he passes away. And so all of a sudden I was like, all right, well, let's do 5.30 a.m. Let's do 5.30 p.m. So I was doing two a days at Spirit Fitness. She had worked with a bunch of other trainers too. So I'd see different people. It's great doing like weight training, all this stuff. Like I'd never really done that before. And it was just really daunting. It's just like a really daunting thing. Just like kind of going into a gym and like, especially like being that big and you're like, God, is everyone just looking at me and like, being like, oh, like, look at this girl, like, trying to come in and work out. But in my head, and as tough as it was, I just kept coming back. Like, I just kept, like, being like, just go back. And, like, on the weekends when I wasn't getting trained by her, I would still drive up to, it was, like, Anderson Lane and uh, Burnett area just to go in and just be on the elliptical. Like, I look at, like, old Instagram posts of mine and being like, oh, I came in on a Saturday and, like, did 25 minutes on the elliptical. Yay! And, like, that was, like, a huge step for me. And, like, keeping that consistency was I all of a sudden got into a routine. Beforehand, I there was no routine. It was all just, like, random. Anyone could say suggest anything and I'd be down for it. Whereas, like, all of a sudden, okay, 5.30 a.m., working out, after work, drive there again, 5.30 p.m., working out. And then another huge part of it was uh, I like was like, how do I get cardio in? Like, I hate running. What do I do? I found this amazing dance studio. And I used to love, I used to dance ballet when I was younger. And then I was always interested in hip-hop dancing, but I always thought like, oh, God, I'm going to look so stupid. But I ended up going and finding this great dance studio. And so all of a sudden, now I, here I am going from zero activity to now doing two-a-days with my trainers. And then after that second workout with my trainer, going and doing two or three dance classes a night. And then that all of a sudden was just like my routine. I was not drinking any alcohol. I used to be the biggest soda addict. Like you just yeah, like soda's cancer in a bottle. Uh, it's so it, bad. It's That's so like bad. worse than even food. Like honestly, like I and I work and I at the time I was working at a startup where they had that case full of every single soda you could ever imagine, and I would maybe down like eight cans a day. Like just think about like the amount of high fructose corn syrup that is this. Uh. And I, here I am just, and so like I cut out the alcohol, which I wasn't doing so much of, but still I, when I start drinking, I'm like, yeah, let's yeah, go get some wings yeah. and all that stuff. Let's go get all this fried food. But yeah, I just was like, nope, no more, uh, no more sodas, no more alcohol. And then also just started eating, like just literally I'm coming from like eating fried food full of MSG to now like just being like, oh, I'm going to prepare some food at home and eating these like tiny meals throughout the day. And honestly, like I know it's so interesting because like I feel like anyone listening to this are going to be like, oh, that just that seems so easy kind of thing. But to also think I had that motivating factor in the back of my mind being like Every time I ate a salad, I'd think about my dad. Every time I'd go into the gym, I'd think about my dad. Like, I was so focused on this kind of goal. I did not care all. And, like, it was a thing where I all of a sudden wasn't going out also. I was, like, not going out. I was, like, telling my friends that I'm, like, nope, can't go out. Like, I have 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Like, sorry. 
being focused and just, yeah, changing up that routine was just so key. Like you said, you're just like you get, you getting the blood work and like knowing like this stuff is affecting my life. I need to cut this out of my life kind of thing. And I was like, all right, there's definitely people that I, I had to cut out of my life because it's like, that's the thing. They're the ones that are like, oh, you're the life of the party. You got to come. And like, and I'm like, if you don't that serves them. Yeah, exactly. If you don't understand why I'm doing this, like, you're not really a fr- like, yeah. yeah. And like, that's, it's, it's a shame, but like, it also like, it was a blessing because it was just like realizing there were so many people that just wanted me to come out to be that fun panda person instead of supporting me and being like, maybe I can join you for a dance class or a workout. And it was just me feeling like, all right, you know what? I'm going to have to cut myself off from some of these people and just really focus on me, focus on my dad and my family. At what point did you realize like change was happening? The reason I ask this question is because I feel like a lot of people, they don't have that huge motivator yeah. that you had. Yeah. So they have an inkling of like, I need to make a change. Yeah. And then they, just like you did, they they go there and they're like, fuck it, I'm never coming back. <laughs> yeah. Just like with, with High Rocks. Yeah. We do one where just like afterwards, like that was terrible. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Then we go home and we sign up for another one. Yeah. It's like, or that's how marathoners do or Ironman. That's yeah. what they do. Oh, it's, it sucks. And then they sign up for another one. But you had the disadvantage of you're losing somebody. Yeah. But advantage of having some hyper motivation. Yeah. Most people don't. At what point was that change noticeable to you? And did that impact you continuing to go? Yeah. Uh, 100. Like, I think it was, it's so funny because you look at yourself in the mirror all day, every day, and you're just like, oh, like, I haven't changed that much. But then when you see other, when other people see you, they're like, oh, wow, like, you're looking good. And I'm like, oh, you're just saying, you're just saying that. But I just remember, I remember being on Tinder still and like obviously having my old pictures up. And then when I would go on dates with guys, maybe like three or four months after like I started this routine, they'd be like, oh, are you that same person? I was like, yeah, that's, they're like, are those your pictures? I was like, yeah. And sometimes it'd be like a pleasant surprise, but then you'd get like these chubby chasers that were like, oh, like I wanted the bigger girl kind of thing. <laughs> really? And like, yeah. And like, I legitimately had one guy being like, he's like, I mean, no disrespect to you, but you just don't look like your photos. So I'm going to bounce. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm not trying to deceive you. Like, I, I think I still look like this girl yeah. in these pictures. And then I remember going home, visiting home, I think maybe after like four or five months, and my mom being in absolute tears, like when she see, saw me, because she could see that change. And she was just in tears. My dad obviously was like, he was surprised, but he like didn't show that emotion. He was like still very cool about it. And yeah, it was just like getting that reaction was just so amazing. And then all of a sudden, like you said, like obviously had this huge motivator for my dad, but then all of a sudden I was like, no, I'm like doing this for myself too. Like, like look at this change that I'm making. And I'm like, I was feeling good. And you just like holding on to that, that, that like, oh my gosh, like this is great. Like this is a great feeling to obviously people telling you you look good, but then myself I just kind of was just like wow like I feel like I have so much energy all of this stuff all of a sudden this I had a lot of energy before but all of a sudden all of a sudden it's like at this next level and so I think it was kind of around that point where I was like okay obviously still doing this for my dad but then at the same time here I am like really thriving and just like working towards being the best version of myself the beautiful thing is the more you give up the more you get yeah 
Yeah. And li- I'm learning that in life. It's just like the more disciplined I can be in certain areas, the more abundant my life becomes. And that's where I'd love to ask you, where did that focus and that drive to change bleed over later on into your life and in other areas? Because most people, again, if they don't have that motivating factor, what you can do is you can understand, like we all have jobs, we have careers, we have people we take care of, we have things that we need to do outside of the gym that just need to happen for us to have a thriving lifestyle. And if you can attach to that, because like one of the things that I do is when I'm in the gym, it's thinking about how does this make me a better husband, a better future father, a better friend, a better family member. When times of crisis happened, how I'm going to be better. And I think the person that's just starting doesn't really know how to associate those two. Because when I was in the corporate world, they try to like box you into this is your job. And then when you're outside of the work, you're a completely different person. Yeah. And that's kind of how people operated versus molding them together and being like, how does the gym help me at my job, help me in my career, help me get that promotion? So for you, what did that look like? Unfortunately, obviously your dad passed away and you were able to fulfill that. Yeah. Okay. I showed him and I, I now can li- li- help him live a beggar legacy through me. But then obviously it's like, okay, that motivation is a little bit gone now. Yeah. What did it bleed into to, and what also kept you motivated during yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So if you're totally right, it's just like that idea was like, oh, that like kind of like that big hyper motor was like kind of gone now, but it's like, okay, no, like now how can I incorporate kind of that same drive into the other things? And I all of a sudden was like very passionate about like kind of getting into different projects like on my own. Like I never in a million years thought I would ever like teach a class or teach a workshop and it's coming up to two years but like you always talk about doing things I think a lot of times people are like I have this great idea like people are gonna love it kind of thing but like chances are that it's ever gonna happen is pretty always like pretty slim but then looking at like kind of my journey and I'm like all right all right bitch you like you were like 300 something pounds and now look at you now like you clearly if you want to do something in your life you can do that and so I was very passionate about, I really wanted uh, to teach a blowjob workshop. And like, I talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. And then it was just this thing where I was just like, fuck it. I just need to do it. Same mentality as like, fuck it. I just need to get healthy. Like, this is something that is going to like fulfill my life more. Like, I just like love the idea. Like, I've always been like a very open person, especially in terms of like, talking about sex, like, I think maybe sometimes people think I'm too open, which is, it's fine, and I tried to gauge it, I tried to not, like, lead with it, but I was, like, I was dancing at a really amazing dance studio here in Austin called Minx and Muse, doing, like, sexy floor dance, like, the classes are called, like, floor fuckers, and, like, like, freakgasm, and all this stuff, and I just, like, felt really empowered there, and I wouldn't have ever thought about going to a class like that if I hadn't gone gone through what I did. And so all of a sudden, I want to try these new things. Like, all of a sudden, I'm in this, like, new energized body. And it's just like, why am I going to let this go to waste? Like, let's go and try these different studios, different activities out. And I just fell in love with that studio. And they're all about female empowerment. And I was like, you know what? Like, I want to empower men and women to give the most amazing blowjobs that they possibly can. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do it. 
So I, I I remember just talking about it, and then I remember telling the owner of the studio, I'm like, just set a date. The fact that there's going to be a date and that you're selling tickets, I'm going to have to show up and do it. And yeah, it was this like. Was amazing. it? Were you nervous? I was so nervous because I my biggest fear was that people would pay thirty five dollars to come to this workshop and then leave being like that wasn't worth it. And like that was my biggest fear. Like I don't think I was like I had prepared for it. Like I, <laughs> I prepared for it. I've given a lot of blowjobs in my life. It is so funny because I'm just so open about it. But like I have had like a very extensive sexual history, and like I've done and tried things, probably like crazy things that I feel like I've done probably almost all you can do when it comes to sex and so I was like it was this thing where I would I'd be giving blowjobs and the guys would be like god that was so amazing like that's incredible and I'm like well what are you what are you talking about like I'm just doing a blowjob and they're like well like other women and all this stuff and we'd get into these discussions and I'd you're doing market research yeah I was doing market <laughs> research I was, you're in a startup right yeah. then and there yeah uh, I love it I'm in the, and so yeah and so it was just this thing where I was like well like it's not their fault because like you're not communicating with them and obviously I can understand a one or two time thing you're not going to communicate with them but like then they're going around and like I just I just wanted to create a space where people felt comfortable talking about it because I think everyone is always like oh it's such a taboo thing like it's crazy that in 2021 it it is and this is what I love that you brought it up because I, one, I was going to ask you. And, yeah. and two, I have to tell you what Noah and I had an idea. <laughs> I was going to bring a banana here oh! and, because we saw your your Instagram thing. Yeah. And uh, I was going to have you like pose with a banana. Oh! Um, oh, man. But yeah, we didn't we didn't go that far. I was actually also going to say like what you said in the in the High Rocks group where you were like, uh, uh, are we going to Germany? And you were talking about your blowjob workshop. But the reason I'm happy you brought it up is one, because it is your authentic self. And yeah. like, you had this idea and one of the things that I believe is the biggest problem in our world is people go to their grave with ideas that could, one, help them, help other people, but two, help the entire world because if you're going to the grave with your ideas, like you, like how many people are you actually helping? And then just from hearing you communicate that, it's one of those things where behind the scenes, like people don't realize how problematic the porn industry is and just like other things that are happening on the internet. And the, my biggest frustration with everything is everyone acts like they're a fucking saint, but then behind closed doors are doing things that like, whether it's on social media or on the internet in general, Reddit, just yeah. being abusive to other people. And this is goes beyond sex and, and yeah. stuff like that, but communicating that and making things less taboo and making things more generally acceptable. I mean, we're all adults. Like yeah. it happens for all of us, right? Yeah. So I think the word that I love that you use is communication because you can use that in everything. And the fact that you're doing it for those reasons is inspiring. Coming from what most people would do is I'm afraid to be judged, so I'm not going to do it. But just on a personal question, how many people come to these workshops? Yeah. Uh, actually, not a personal. It's more of like a business thing. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> How many people come to the workshops and then like on average, what is the feedback? Not from the blowjob aspect, from more of like the general aspect of life improvement and from a business standpoint of could this potentially be your future? Like stuff like that. 
Um, it's so funny because I think about this all the time. Uh, after I taught that first workshop, I just got this like just outpouring of just like love and messages, and it yeah not not from like the blood, but it was just like this helped my relationship with my partner so much. Like all of a sudden I'm closer with my husband. Like they'd send me, like I'd get cards in the mail. Like, thank you. cards. Like it was literally, I, when I tell people, like when I do these workshops, those are my, that's my favorite part about teaching the workshop is hearing the aftermath of like this. I remember this one girl, she grew up in a conservative background, like didn't never, like she's like maybe done it once or twice. And she came in and we were able, like, I'm always like, let's, be open like let's be free it's this non-judgmental zone and she came out and she was like yeah like some girl like showed me like on the on a school bus like on a water bottle and that's how like I was taught and I was like all right now we're gonna help you through this and I remember being downtown once and I was at Barbarella my favorite club and she runs up to me gives me a hug and is just like thank you so much like your class gave me so much confidence to just like be me and not be worried about how I'm going to be judged and things like that. And I just like, I was like, I just want to cry right now. Like, and, and it's, it's, it's such a, and I know there's some people that are like, Oh, you're like blowjob workers. It's like, it's such a trivial thing. But when you're getting messages like that and the fact that it affected like even one person, but then you're getting all of this like feedback. And that's like, all you listen to. That's all yeah. you listen there's to. Gonna like, there's there's going to be negative. There's going to be haters. Hater. Even on the audience. Like yeah. that's why I love, podcasting is yeah. because I get to bring I, I get to say what I want and do what I want yeah. like on Instagram I'll get blocked for posting or promoting some things yeah. or like especially when it comes to health and stuff like that and, or on Facebook on social media but on the podcast like we can really have honest conversations yeah. and debates and I, I'm a big believer and I think that's what's lacking in this world is just open-mindedness and I just appreciate you being so candid with everything and for me it it makes me think about like Again, even with fitness, because we did a hard transition right there, right? We're talking yeah. about some some heavy shit then going yeah. into. Yeah. And I love that you did that because I was going to bring it up. Yeah. Um, I, I could not. <laughs> um, but it, it still makes me feel as if like just you doing the workshops is helping people be more themselves, which yeah. ultimately bleeds over into other areas of their life. Because if people are confident, especially behind closed doors, it shows up outside and yeah. for you like I always like to tie loose ends together like for you like when I hear your story what it makes me think of is like when you were eating like that was the thing you were doing for yourself because you're such a giver on the outside but it's like when you're cl behind closed doors like that insecurity starts coming out and if it's behind closed doors eventually it bleeds out into your life and I think for the people that you're helping like you're reversing that where they're feeling insecure in their relationship and in their ha in their home. And like, that's the worst place yeah. to be insecure. It's one thing to show up to your job because you can leave your job. You can, yeah. if, if you don't like your job and like things aren't going as well, you can leave your job, but you can't leave your house and your home and, and you're, you you do not want to leave your relationship. So it's cool to hear you say that, but we're getting close to wrapping up just a couple more things. I'd love for you to chat a little bit about where you're at in your life today. So yeah. like what's going on, what are you striving for? What are your hobbies outside of blowjobs? <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah, just a minute or two and like yeah. what, what are you up to? Where do you work? Yeah. Like, what are you passionate uh, about? 
well, I am very much, I just, this, today is our seventh month anniversary with me and my boyfriend, Tyler, who's, who's oh, yeah. been uh, a huge motivating factor for me. It's great. Like, if anybody were to kind of meet me uh, before dating Tyler, they would have known. I just love to hit it and quit it. Like, I was going through <laughs> tons of dudes and I was not in the mindset of getting a relationship at all. And so, like, for us to be able to connect and then for us to have this passion for fitness has just been really incredible. And he was the one, well, you brought him into High Rocks and then he brought me into High Rocks. And so that was like such an amazing thing. So I want to also thank you for doing that. Cause like it's, we've been able to have these like incredible experiences together doing this and training together. And I uh, like, it's been amazing and I, I love doing it. I would love to do another high rocks probably like I'd love to do it in Europe. I want like one in London or like in a big city. Um, but yeah, so that is kind of like relationship going super well, like having that support. And I never realized how important it was to find a partner that like also enjoyed fitness Oh health. man! Can it's, I just tell you? Like, I, I saw your I saw your post about the smack in the ass, ass like yeah, when yeah. you're on the uh, and just for context here, like she was the smack in the ass. We're <laughs> gun, in high rocks, like you run around this loop, and at you can men and women go at the same time, yeah. so you can catch each other running on the course at the same time. Um, and in Austin, when we did it, we weren't on the course at the same time, unfortunately. But in Chicago, we were. Um, and you were talking about him smacking your ass every time you went away, went around the course yeah. when you were on it together. And it reminded me like I, cause I actually got to run one lap with Aaron. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was honestly like a super special moment because it's not like a half marathon where you could like start off and like run the whole thing together. Like this is like an intense thing where like you're both getting beat up like pretty much from exercise to exercise and like just being in that arena with everything going on and it really solidified like I think I might do mixed with her yeah at some point yeah, just yeah. for the just for shits and gigs like and now that you said London it would be cool to like do mixed doubles with her like in a in a place like that so we're just on the course and experiencing it the same the yeah. entire time with each other um but yeah so he's he's a major role in your life now what what yeah. else besides high rocks and fitness like what does your day-to-day -day look like? Day-to-day. Um, -day. So I'm actually in the process of I've just become certified for, to be a Legree instructor, which is a – everyone always thinks it's kind of Pilates, but it's like Pilates on crack. Basically, you're getting core stability, flexibility, workout in a quick like kind of 40-minute, but you are you – are, basically activating all those like slow twitch muscles to help build this lean muscle and you're working on a mega reformer. So I just became certified to be an instructor. Now I'm just doing like all these mock classes to like kind of get people uh, excited about it. But then also for me to get practice, because then you get to the point where you audition and there's only a limited amount of spots in the studio. So as much as you're like, oh, I really obviously want to support the other women that were I was training with, but at the same time, you feel that little competitive yeah. edge. You're just like, I gotta. So I've been, uh, my day-to-day -day is like very much, I probably wake up wake up in the morning, either go to Squatch, or I also go to a boot camp uh, studio called Heat. Uh, and then I will also I'll do a Legree class every day. I do Legree every day. It's helped tone my body, leaned me up. And then uh, now I've been kind of uh, hosting these mock classes. So and they're free. So if anybody's like interested in taking like a free, like well, usually it's around like $35 for a drop in class because each of these machines is probably around 20 grand. 
And so it's like a very, it's a very pricey workout, but it's an amazing workout. And so I'm just really passionate. It's helped me so much and kind of like, there was definitely a lull like in these past like six years that like lull of fitness. And so this really helped reignite my like love for fitness. And I've always wanted to be a fitness instructor. And it's like that thing, you've got all these ideas, just go and do them. Like just go and do them. Like it's just, you could go and I could have died with being like, oh, I should have been that LaGree instructor or I could have just do it. Pay the $1,500, become certified, work my ass off, get in the studio, get people in the studio, get people excited about this different type of fitness and yeah and so go and do a lot of degree and then I work at uh currently I'm working at a computational neuroscience tech startup downtown where we basically want to be able to tell what's going on in a person's mind and body through their eyes so the most non-invasive brain computer interface uh kind of out there <laughs> wow I feel like we could have a whole podcast on that yeah it's really <laughs> crazy you should uh the uh the founder he is is a very brilliant, he's 24 years old. He, this was his 10th grade science fair project out in California. And then he ended up getting disqualified at the science fair because they were like, no way you did this work on your own. Like, so they disqualified him, but then there was an admiral in the Navy and that was one of the judges for another panel or for another section. And then uh, was like, I actually want to fund your research. And he ended up winning a Naval Science Award getting all this money to just start this company when he was 16 or 15. 16. Hey, put your ideas out there. Put your just ideas like it, just out there. put them out there. Put them out there. And so here he is. He's running this startup. We're a team of like 23, 24 people. We're doing a lot of really amazing things. That's trying to focus on just health and wellness and how, how well to be able to tell if someone does have kind of maybe a mental, like if they are suffering from PTSD, are we able to tell that from the eyes and not having to spend 50 grand to get an MRI because the health system is just so crooked and corrupt. <laughs> like it's crazy. I love that. I've never even thought about that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'll... yeah especially because the mental health space is, I mean, it's, people, people get taken advantage of in that, in that space. And then yeah. you're also talking about like, we have a homeless population here in Austin. And it's yeah. just like, if you could tell if someone's like mentally not there, then like clearly we need to get help. Yeah. Uh, we right, need to right get up. them the resources. Yeah. We can't, but then it's that idea, it's like, oh, how can we, how do we know for sure? And obviously you can like go see a therapist or you can go get an MRI. Well, it's done. all subjective. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Right yeah. now, everything is subjective based on so, how someone else, like, yeah. I'll sit down with you, have a conversation, and then I get to subjectively say whether you are this or that. Yeah. But if we can create an objective way, an objective way through science that like yeah. di diagnoses, like, yeah, there's something there that we need to be taking a look at. That is super cool. Um, <laughs> I love that. And I've loved this entire conversation. I just want to yeah. thank you so much for coming in. At the end of every episode, we kind of wrap up in the same way. How can people reach out to you? So maybe there's people out there that want to come take a fitness class with you, or maybe they want to go to your blowjob workshop, whatever floats their boat. <laughs> yeah. That's how we roll here at Thrive on Life. Um, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram. Uh, you can DM me, Vanda the Panda. Uh, also, I am very good at uh, my email. So my email is vandathepartypanda at gmail.com. <laughs> And so, yeah, feel free to reach out to me on either of those. And I'd love to, if anyone ever had any questions about anything I do, like I am an open book. Like it is, I don't know if there's anything that we, I would feel uncomfortable talking about. So if anybody has any issue or any questions about anything, feel free to reach out. Oh yeah. And then the last question we always ask is, 
what does thriving mean to you? So you can take a couple seconds here, but yeah, when you think of the word thriving, what does it mean? Uh, thriving. Thriving. Oh, man, for me, I mean, I feel like obviously thriving uh, <laughs> right now in my life is that idea of being so happy. Like I think... I think happiness definitely equates to thriving. Like I don't know a lot of people who are thriving and that aren't, aren't happy. <laughs> I believe that happiness and then also like love, like I have never had this kind of, I've never had such a close relationship before with somebody and like to be with Tyler and to kind of feel that love and support. Like when it came to relationships, not thriving and all of a sudden here I am feeling like, so supported, so loved. And I don't know, like thriving to me is being in this state of happiness. At least it is for me. Like, I feel like I'm thriving. I'm going out, trying all these new things, like not taking that back seat, going in that driver's seat and being like, you know what? I have this control of my life. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do the things I want to do. And I, if I fail, I fail, but I still am going to be happy. I'm still going to have the love and support from the people around me. And I'm going to still be thriving. That was an awesome way to summarize that. <laughs> and I've ne- you posed me with a question of like, can you be thriving without oh, happiness? Like yeah. that's, that's, that's a thread that I'm going to have to go down after this. But once again, thank you so much for spending time here with myself and with the audience. And I always wrap up with like my biggest takeaway. And for me, that was an easy one today. I'm kind of, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but like for me, it just reminds me of like everyone out there should be finding their inner panda. Like yeah. <laughs> they literally should be finding that thing that hero suit that literally you can be the same person inside and out, but that suit really gives you the confidence to go on and bring new ideas to life and do the things that again, maybe wouldn't necessarily be for everyone. But if you're everything, if you try to be everything to everyone, you're nothing to nobody. That's kind of how I look at the world. And no matter what your idea is, usually the ones that are the craziest ends up changing the world and changing a lot of people's lives for the better. So my challenge to you is find that inner panda, go out there and and be the best you that you can possibly be. And yeah, this is me trying to be the best that I can possibly be on this podcast each and every time. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If there's any questions that you have for Vander I, you know where to find us. I love your support and everybody that's been reaching out recently. Um, the best thing that you can do for us and for her is to go and rate and review our podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that helps us a lot more than you think. But until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.